your seats. Why don't you just find two or three that are kind of around you and just tell them, I, w- I, want the, I want the word of the Lord to speak to my heart today. You have to stand to turn around, shake, whatever you have to do. Just find two or three. Just tell them, I want the word of the Lord to speak to my heart today. How many meant it? <clears throat> Amen. Let's give the Lord another hand clap of praise. Come on. Let's praise Him. I love you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We lift our voice and give you praise for you are worthy of it, God. You are worthy. Worthy, 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 worthy. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Presence of the Lord. I had an appointment to see Jesus last Wednesday at 3.30 in the afternoon. Now that I have your attention. While on vacation, my family and I had purchased tickets to see the life of Jesus depicted on stage form with the dramatic play simply being entitled, Jesus. And it was interesting to me how our week, and especially the day of the drama, Brother Josiah, all revolved around the time that we were to see Jesus. We set our alarm clock that morning with seeing Jesus in mind. Our plans for where and when we were going to eat lunch that day were all decided by the fact that we were going to see Jesus. Our decisions for where we went and what we did in the early afternoon were all governed by the fact that we were going to see Jesus. In fact, there were some places we just could not go. Because we were going to see Jesus. There were some plans we just could not make. Because we knew we were going to see Jesus. And so it was that as those realities of our time and of our schedule being governed by and shaped by our appointment with Jesus. Slowly began to become recognized in my mind that week, I was captured by the great need that you and I have to live our lives in such a way that we know we will see Jesus one day. Not a theatrical representation of Jesus, but we will one day stand before Christ Jesus the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. How many believe that today? How many know that is a reality today? So I preach today on this subject very simply when we meet Jesus. The word of the Lord would say it like this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done whether it be good or whether it be bad so it is today now we might not run the aisles but I believe God's going to talk to us God desires to help somebody today if we believe that this book is the word of the Lord and if we believe that this book is therefore true then we have to believe that all must one day meet Jesus and yet the truth remains that even if 
We don't believe that this book is the word of the Lord. We also will still have to meet the Lord one day. Romans chapter 3 and verse 3, For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid, yea, let God be true and every man a liar. So therefore we see that every believer will one day stand before the Lord. And every unbeliever will stand before the Lord. For this, when this book says that all will appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that truly means everybody. Everybody. Jew and Gentile alike. Old and young. Bond or free. Rich or poor. Of every class. Of every age. Of every nation. None shall be able to escape by being unknown, none by virtue of their rank or their wealth, none because of their power or their prestige or their prominence here on earth will be able to escape this appointed time that we will all see Jesus. Every powerful voice that has ever swayed the masses will one day have to come face to face with the king of all kings. Every famous individual who has influenced so many will one day have to come face to face with their maker. Every leader that has spoke so loudly their concept and their ideas of truth will one day come face to face with Jesus. Every politician, every Hollywood star, every housewife, every blue collar worker, every white collar worker, none shall be able to escape the meeting that we will all have with Jesus. None will be exempted because they did not believe that Christ existed or because they thought him to be of no value or because they thought him to be of no relevance. They will not be exempted based upon their unbelief. All humanity from every tribe, every tongue, every land, every background, every belief system, every religious affiliation, every circumstance of life will one day meet Jesus face to face. Every person in this room will one day meet Jesus face to face. Somebody said amen. So it is. That the greatest message we need to hear and the greatest message we need to believe is not a message about three steps to a better life. It's not a message about our pathway to a happier tomorrow. But ultimately the message we need to preach and the message we need to hear and the message we need to submit our lives to and the message we need to commit to our hearts and the message we need to be obedient to no matter the cost is the message that declares to us clearly and definitively and unequivocally that one day we will all be required to stand before the Lord and to be judged by our obedience or our disobedience to this book and we must be ready for that day. We have got to be ready to meet Jesus. No other message matters if we don't get that message. No other message carries with it any significance at all if we do not submit ourselves to the reality that soon and very soon we shall see the King. Put your hands together and give him praise. I'm burdened today. I'm burdened today. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. Our text, it reads, for we must all appear. I say appear. 
before the judgment seat of Christ. It is important that we understand and know that that word appear means more than to just be physically present and accounted for. It literally means that all of who we are and all of what we are will appear, be made known at the moment we meet Jesus. Everything not covered by the blood of Jesus Christ will be made known at that moment. The Lord would speak of this reality when he says this in Jeremiah chapter 16 and verse 17. For mine eyes are upon all their ways. Not some of their ways, not just the ways that I can see, but how many knows he sees it all? Mine eyes are upon all of their ways. They are not hid from my face. Neither is their iniquity hid from mine eyes. You might could hide it from somebody's face, but you can't hide it from his face. We might be able to hide it from some people's eyes, but we can't hide it from his eyes. Every hidden thing will be brought to light in our meeting with him. Every motive, every thought, every deed, every desire, every secret, every covered endeavor will appear, appear, appear. It'll be made known in that moment when we stand before Jesus. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 13 speaks of this and it says, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him whom we have to do. All things naked, open. He knows it all. He knows what we don't want anybody else to know about. He knows what we've hidden. He knows what we've covered over. He knows it all. And in that day we stand before him, it will all appear. If it's not under the blood of Jesus, it will appear. And it will be seen. And it will be known. And it will be judged. What we've kept hidden from everybody else will not be able to be hidden from the one who knows all things, sees all things and is aware of all things. Secret sins will be made manifest when we see Jesus. Hidden desires will be brought to light in that moment that we see Jesus. Confidential transgressions of our soul will be front and center when we stand. Therefore, I feel to speak to those in this room today, most assuredly speak to the one doing the speaking right now. We need to understand that if we feel like we're doing a good job hiding some stuff, keeping secrets, we need to understand that we may be able to keep hidden things from humanity. But we can't keep them from deity. We can't hide it. Can't cover it over. In the eyes of the Lord who goes to and fro singles in on us at that day. In fact, the Bible would give it all of us in the house this warning, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28, and fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. He's talking about humanity. They can kill your body, but they can't touch your soul. But rather, he says, fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. He's talking about the Lord. 
We hide what we hide because of how it will affect our relationship with mankind. But we need to be far more concerned with how it is going to affect our relationship with the one who has the ability and who will one day pronounce eternal consequence upon our lives. We give so much concern with what others think of us and so little concern of what he thinks of us. We do so, and it is shown that we do so when we hide. So who cares if we're portraying a picture of righteousness when God knows that unrighteousness is ruling and reigning in our hearts? What does it profit you? What does it profit I if others in this room believe us to be spiritual when the one who has ultimate authority knows the truth of who we really are? What does it matter? Eternally, what does it matter? For the truth of the matter is that God cannot heal what we hide. And what we continue to cover over will eventually destroy both our soul and our body in hell. Come on, help me. So that's why the Bible would give us this bit of instruction. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 13, and let us all hear the word of the Lord now. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. It is a promise from the Lord. It is impossible to prosper if we hide our sins. We cannot move forward. We cannot advance in the kingdom. We cannot advance in ministry. We cannot advance in relationships. We cannot advance in power and in authority. We cannot prosper if we hide our sins. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh the sin shall There's another promise. Shall have mercy. Somebody. Somebody needs to understand. God's word has given you a promise today. And that promise is this. If you cover it, you will not prosper. But if you confess it and forsake it, you will have the mercy of God rain down upon your life. Come on, somebody praise him for the mercy. Come on, somebody praise him for mercy. book would give another promise when it says this in Psalms chapter 32 and verse 3 when I kept silence speaking of his sins when I kept silence about my sin my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long day and night thy hand was so heavy upon me because I was hiding my sins. This is letting us know today that our hidden sin is going to affect us to our very core. We think it's fixing stuff. We think hiding it fixes stuff. But it just makes everything worse. Hidden sin causes both the conviction of God and the condemnation of hell to weigh so heavily upon our lives every moment of our living. We go to bed weighed down. We wake up weighed down. We go to work and to school weighed down. Because of the hidden things that are in our lives. Day and night, we operate under the consequence 
of a life hidden with hidden sin. But then the psalmist would say this in Psalm chapter 32 and 5, I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid any longer. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And look what happened. And thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. He didn't beat you up. He didn't kick you out. He didn't make you feel horrible. You forgave. I may have, I may have had that sin hidden for years. And I wasn't quite sure how you were going to respond to me when I brought it to your attention, even though you already knew. But I was so thankful when I came into your presence and I confessed the sin that I have hidden for so long. You didn't make me feel worse. You loved me. You forgave me. You restored me. You do not have to fear him. You do not have to fear him. He is in this moment now a loving God, a merciful God, a God of restoration and help, forgiveness and love. It's the will of God for somebody to forgive, for God to forgive somebody of that sin that you have hidden for so long before you leave this house today. If you are tired of the lies, if you are tired of the charade, if you are tired of all the pretense and all the deception that has to go in to hidden lies, or hidden sin. If you're tired of all that requires of you mentally and emotionally, relationally, physically, and spiritually that goes in to you hiding the sin, if you're tired of living that way, then let us get open before the Lord before we leave this house today. And let us get transparent before the Lord before we leave this house. Today, Because in our willingness to become transparent and open and confess our faults and our failures and our iniquities unto the Lord, we will find him who is merciful and full of grace. The joy of true forgiveness. We will find the peace in a life that is no longer burdened by conviction and condemnation nation and we will find the knowledge that we truly can become who God has called us to be. For as long as the hidden sin is there, you'll have a calling on your life, but the process moving forward will never happen. And it will always just be something future, something a call that will never move into reality because of hidden sin. But the moment we, trans, uh, we confess our faults to the Lord, the moment we repent and get the hidden things out into the light is the moment God says, now I can do in you what I have called you to do. I'm trying to help somebody today. And it is in my attempt to truly help somebody today to be freed from the hidden sins that may be in our lives, I would just want to point out the fact before we move on that, and I think you would have to agree, that the sins that we have hidden unto ourselves once are many times the same sins that we continue to hide. We've hidden it once. And so because we have hidden it once, when we fall into that sin a second time, many times we go back to old patterns. I'm just helping somebody now. 
The old pattern is too high. And then we fall and then we get up and we repent. But then we go back to it and we hide it again for a period of time. And we just keep going back and we just keep hiding the same thing over and over and over and over. And this is what becomes our besetting sins. Sins that put us in this cycle of walking in freedom and then walking in bondage. Freedom, bondage. Freedom, bondage. Why? Because we keep going back to hiding the sin. But the book tells us this. James chapter 5 and verse 16. The verses we've already read have told us that we are to confess our faults to him. To get open and honest to him. For he is the one who forgives. But then the Bible tells us in James and 5.16... Confess your faults one to another. It's quiet here today. Somebody's being helped though. Pray one for another that ye may be healed. (laughs) See, the problem that we have, and it all goes back to pride, which most things do. The problem we have is that We'll confess it to God sometimes, but we don't want to confess it to one another. Mm. We have too much pride to go to a brother or a sister that we trust, leadership that we trust. Don't just go to anybody. You don't know who to go to, come talk to me. Talk to Vision pastors, executive elders, we'll help you. We'll point you in the right way if you don't know. Don't go to somebody that's carnal. Don't go to somebody that's hit and miss in church. Don't go to somebody that's not here for prayer. I'm just being real. You need somebody that's on fire for God. You need somebody that's committed. You need somebody that's dedicated. You need somebody that's faithful. You need somebody that's submitted. You need somebody that's plugged in. You need need somebody that has a relationship with Jesus Christ and has an understanding of what restoration looks like. Go to that person. Confess your faults to them. Brother, this is what I'm struggling with. Sister, this is what I'm struggling with. You see, the Bible is telling us if we want real freedom, we confess our faults to him and we confess our faults to one another and we walk in freedom. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And the reality is this. It shows just how much we truly want to be free by our willingness to do what the Bible tells us to do in order to get free. Oh, hallelujah. Listen, listen, I'm not beating anybody up. I'm just trying to help you to understand. Don't tell me you want to be free but you also don't want to talk to your brothers and sisters in the Lord and be accountable to anybody. If you don't want to be accountable to anybody, you're telling me you don't really want to be free. You don't really want to be helped. You like the idea of freedom. You don't like what it entails. So it is that I want you to be free because the word of the Lord says, he that the Son is set free is free indeed. Not just two days, Pastor Elijah. Not just halfway through Monday because you had a great prayer meeting on Sunday and then Monday night rolls around and you do something stupid and you fall right back into the cycle. That's not freedom. Come on, that's not freedom. Are you telling me that's what Jesus went to the cross to purchase? That's not freedom. He went to the cross to purchase liberty totally and completely. Freedom that I can, I am more than a Conqueror. I don't know. We we probably talked about this before. Pastor Tim, you're a smart man and you're studying, you're a you're a tremendous individual. You can preach this one day. I don't know what more than a conqueror means. A conqueror is a conqueror. If you've conquered something, you've conquered something. 
How can you be more than a conqueror? But Brother Rodas, I don't know what it means, but I like it. I like it. I am called to be more than a conqueror. I am to walk in a liberty that is greater. I am to walk in a freedom that is greater. I am, walk, I am to walk in an openness and an honesty before God that is greater. Come on, somebody. It is the will of God. Hear me in the Holy Ghost. It is the will of God that we have people in this room that you show up to church on Sunday and the only thing you get out of Sunday is forgiveness. Which is good. The problem is you need it every Sunday for the same thing. So tell me this. How are you going to ever, will you ever be able to progress if you're constantly stuck at a place of death. Repentance is death. Where does life start? He has come to give life and that, what? More abundant. It's not the will of God that you stay in a perpetual state of death in the sense of always dying for the same thing over and over and over because you're living in this cycle, 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 cycle. It's the will of God for you to come to a place of death and then for you to stand up and then for you to move forward into life and into ministry and into calling and into purpose. Now, don't read into that. It's something I didn't say. Yes, we're going to have to continue to repent for stuff as we fail along the way. But it's not supposed to be the same thing for 30 years. Come on. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. And it's the will of God for us to walk in freedom, to walk in liberty, to not be bound by the things of this world. To not be entangled again. Come on, somebody praise him in the house. Woo. You're helping us today, Jesus. Our text says, as I hurry to a conclusion, second. Corinthians 5 and 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. It's important that we understand that we will be present in that moment, but it does not say we will speak in that moment. We will be standing for sure. Well, actually, no. Because as I'm going to discuss in a minute, every knee is going to bow. But we will be present for sure. But we will not be given the opportunity to speak. So what, hear me very carefully. I want to talk to somebody now. What we may have used for decades as an argument for why we live like we live, believe what we believe, act how we act, will not be an option when we see Jesus. You could talk about it at Denny's. You could explain all you want to anybody that wants to listen at the Starbucks about why you believe what you believe and how come you live like you live and how come this is the way you think and this is how you feel and this is your take and this is your whatever. You can talk about it all you want down here. But in that moment, you won't say a word. You want to know why? Because in that moment, our beliefs don't matter. Somebody needs to understand this today. 
When you are standing before the one who fills all space and time, do you really think he cares about what you think? Do you really think he is going to get in a debate with you about your belief system and why you think your belief system is right? You won't say a word. I won't say a word. Our thoughts in that moment carry no weight at all. Well, this is what I thought, Jesus. No. In that moment, our personal philosophies bring with them no substantive value at all. What we think changes nothing in that moment. We need to get this now because there's so many people with concepts that they have convinced themselves of that are contrary to the word of the Lord. And you've talked to them and maybe you're one of them. And you've convinced yourself, it's okay if I do this. It's okay. I don't need to do this. I don't need to be faithful. I don't need to be committed. I don't need this, that, and the other because this is important. And I, th I think God's okay with it. I think God's going to be fine with it. I just can't see a God that, that would allow this, that, or the other. Those are your philosophies. They will mean nothing when we stand before Jesus. It will be at that moment that all humanity will come to the revelation. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Mm. And it does not matter what I thought. doesn't matter. It does not matter at all what my philosophies were, what my spiritual concepts were. It does not matter at all what I thought about the subject of faithfulness or truth or doctrine or God's word or God's expectation or God's plan or the, 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 the systems that God has established. It does not matter. It does not matter. Well, I just don't think this and I just don't think that. It doesn't matter what you think. And it doesn't matter what I think. You want to know the only thing that matters? Right here. This is it. Because it'll be in that moment when we stand before him. And you might have felt tough and you might have felt, you know, this strong presence to be able to defend your belief system and defend why you thought the way you thought and you might have been able to, 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 to convince many people to come to your way of thinking but in that moment you will not feel to speak at all. And I won't feel to speak at all because that is when the word of the Lord the Ron will be fulfilled when it says in Romans 14 and 11, for it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess God. Every individual, no matter who they are, no matter what they believed, no matter how they lived, no matter what they taught, it doesn't matter how many followers they had on Facebook. It don't matter how many whatevers they had on Tic Tac. Don't matter. I'm an influencer. It don't matter how many people they've influenced. It don't matter what countries they've ruled. It don't matter the power that they have possessed on this earth. All of us. You are God. My concepts didn't matter. My philosophies pale right now. What I thought was so important and what I fought for and what I 
what I, in my own mind, in my own flesh, wanted to be right. It's like grains of sand filtering through my fingers right now. I feel like water. I have no strength in me. All I could do was bow and say, you are God. Can you imagine the, real, the revelation and the realization in that moment for every atheist? For every individual who lived contrary to this word because they didn't think it mattered? Can you imagine, can you imagine the realization in that moment for every individual who said, that's man's tradition. Religious, religion is just the crutch that mankind needs to make it through. Can you imagine what that realization is going to be like when they stand, kneel, before a God who is real? Not just them, but can you think with me for a moment what it will be like for you and I? I want, I don't know if there's a line. I don't know how it works. But I want to live my life in such a way that if I do have to wait in line, I wait with excited anticipation. I don't want to have to wait with dread. I don't want to have to wait with a foreboding. I don't want to have to wait with the force of a million worlds crushing down upon my head because I didn't listen because I didn't submit, because I didn't obey, because I wanted to do it my way, because I wanted it to be my philosophy, because I wanted it to be my concept, because I wanted to do what was pleasing to my flesh more than what was pleasing to God. I want to be able to stand there soon, very soon. I'm about to see the one who died for me, and I can't wait to see him. I want to be able to have that feeling in my heart, in my spirit. Because I won't be able in that moment to convince him in some way that he was wrong and I'm right. I'm just going to let him be right now. I'm just going to allow myself to know that now I'm wrong and he's right. At that moment, all of humanity from Adam and Eve till today will come to the realization there was one Lord, there was one faith. There's one baptism. All this other stuff didn't matter. All these other beliefs, all these other concepts, all of these other followings, all of, the, all of that, none of that matters. In that moment, everyone, everyone will know there's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism. The question is, will we know it in time? Or will we know it too late? See, because in that moment when you stand before the Lord, the day of mercy is past. The day of mercy is past. In that moment we're standing before the Lord, altar services are gone. Sunday services are gone. The presence of the Lord wooing us and drawing us, gone. The love of God shedding abroad in our hearts, now he's moved from a God of mercy and a God of love. See, because you can't be a God of love with also, without also being a God of justice. Because you, if you don't have justice, you cannot have love. And because he's a God of love also makes him to be a God of justice. And he's not condemning us because of who he is. He's condemning us because of what we were. 
You understand this? Well, I just don't understand how a loving God can send somebody to hell. It's not a loving God that sends somebody to hell. It's the individual's actions that sent themselves to hell. The word of the Lord itself says that hell, that hell was created for the devil and his angels. God did not even create hell for people. People put themselves in hell. God doesn't put them there. So all of these concepts and thought processes of how could a loving God send somebody to a place where there's fire and weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. He doesn't. You do. I do. With my sin and my disobedience to the word of the Lord. When we stand in that day, mercy's done and judgment is now upon us. I'm closing. That moment, the Bible tells us, Romans 14 and 12, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. I'm going to ask for your undivided attention for just the next few moments and I'll be done. Every one of us, every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. So my question to all of us, myself included, is what account are you going to give to the Lord? I was too busy. I had too much other stuff going on in my life. Somebody said something at the church that I didn't like, and so I didn't go back, or I had a skewed view of the church. I might teach on this at some point, but we have to understand something. There is so much in our world, people get offended so easily. Easily. The silliest things are offending people. The problem is, is it's beginning to creep into the church. And we're getting offended on the littlest things, and it's causing us to have this skewed negative view of the church or whatever. We have to remember and we have to know that one day we're going to stand next to people, one lady individual or in particular, back in the day when they're killing Christians, and she had her eight kids standing right there, and the soldier said, if you denounce Christ, your kids will live, but if you don't, we'll kill them one at a time. And they asked her, will you denounce Christ? And she said no. And she had to watch as her first kid was killed. And they went down the line until every one of her kids were killed. And then we sit here and say, I just don't know about the church because some random sister or brother or pastor or leader said a word to me that I didn't like. I can't be faithful to the house of the Lord or I can't be committed to the things of God or I can't do what God called me to do because somebody did something to me at some point in my religious journey. I'm not saying some people couldn't hurt us. I'm not saying people, I'm not discounting things. I'm just saying we have to understand what is real. People are going to be people. But we have to understand we're going to have to stand next to some people who went through a whole lot worse than us. And in that day, they're going to be able to say with far more traumatic events in their life, they're going to hear, well done. And then I'm going to have to give an account for my soul. And then you're going to have to give an account for your soul. And my point is this. We just have to remember there's going to be some people standing in that line that were faithful in the face of horrific adversities. So we just have to make sure what we give an account of is worthy. stand again our text for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things that were done in his body every, every action we've done according to that he hath done whether it be good or bad now this is very important as I close 
It is very important that we understand and know that the definition there of good and bad is not society's definition of good and bad. See, because society will tell you, you volunteered down at the soup shelter and you adopted a kitten, you're good. And so if you're good, then you're okay eternally. But it is not society's definition of good. Well, I think I'm a good person, you know. I haven't killed anybody. It's not society's definition of good or bad. It's the word of the Lord's definition. This is the only thing that matters, folks. This is it. The only thing that matters when we stand before the king is did you not not did you do what society said was acceptable but did you do what the word of the lord told you to do and just so we're all clear and just so everybody understands the bible says in acts chapter 2 and verse 38 that we must repent of our sins turn from our sin we must be baptized in jesus name for the remission of our sins and be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. In that day, in that day, and that's just the start. That is the start of our relationship with Jesus Christ. In, in that day, the Lord is going to say, let me see, did they do what I asked them to do? Did they live holy? Did they live righteous? Did they live faithful? Did they do what I called them to do and be who I called them to be? Did they operate like I called them to operate in? Did they live in a way that was pleasing to me? Were they holy as I am holy? Did they live righteously? Were they separate from the world? Did they come out from the world and be separate unto me? Did they do these things that I've asked them to do in their lives? Based upon what we've done, not what we say, but what we've done, not according to society, but according to this book, is what he will say next. Depart from me, ye worker of iniquity, I never knew you. Or welcome home, thou good and faithful servant. I want to hear welcome home. But it's not just a matter of what I want to hear, it's a matter of a life lived so that I can hear. If you lift your hands in the presence of the Lord, there's a very weighty, weighty presence of the Lord in this room. Where somebody could just lift your voice right now and begin to pray. As you continue to pray, I'm going to open this altar right now for those that just want to make sure I'm right and I'm ready to meet Jesus.